Frederick Thuglis, Thugs Bunny, the Vicious Abolitionist, coming at you live. Before we begin, be sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you go for that podcast. That's for everybody in the podcast world. If you're not in, you're not following me in the past work on a, on a podcast uh, in the podcast world, you damn well should. Okay, so and all, with that being said, if you are on iTunes and you have us on iTunes, Afro Sapio Fowl, bless us with a review. That's going to allow folks to uh, better see and view and search the material. Okay, um, and if you're racist and white, give me a bad review because all the black folks will see it and know that you're racist as shit and then they'll dive in because they know it's not white 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 guy approved anyway um <laughs> with that being said um uh, there's a lot that took place um ever since i have i have last done a podcast um looking on soundcloud um at the time of this recording i think it's roughly about 16 days since i did the last podcast which means it's been roughly 16 days since i did the last facebook live since i do these and you know it's a the product here is a collaboration of Facebook Live and, po- and podcast, which is found on iTunes, where we go for a podcast. So, with that being said, um, times are moving really fast, man. Um, there's a lot that I want to cover um, in no particular order. Spree killers and white male entitlement. Um, can you be pro-black in an interracial dating or marriage? You know, so I wanna, I'm going to weigh in and join join in on this pro-black IR dating marriage debate thing. Um, this is this spawned off of the Donald Glover um, situation, and also that royal wedding. You know, uh, maybe I'll weigh in on royal wedding. I don't know. I'll I'll I'll, I'll get a feel from the audience here, my studio audience here, and. Um, Folks want me to weigh weigh in on Kendrick Lamar and a white chick that hopped on his stage. Because that has been requested, I'm going to fulfill that one. Um, Trump calling folks animals. I'm going to have a quick word on that. And um, newfound police law that the United States have passed since, um, since... well, while the royal wedding was taking place. And also, I guess I'll dive in with the NFL too, since, you know, so much has been going on. That's like seven goddamn points. Well, let's get to it. So, the first one I want to tackle, Kendrick Lamar. So, for those who have not been, who's been living under a rock, Kendrick Lamar, a well-known West Coast rapper, who tends to be a little prolific, I never really caught on to Kendrick Lamar in my, you know, myself, a big hip hop head, but I don't know. He just sounds weird. Anyway, maybe it's his production or style, the, the style of his delivery. I don't get it. I'm not, can't call myself a fan. I like the guy, but anyway, so the story has it. He was in concert and he had this white chick show up on top in front of his stand, top of the stage and she was charged with the responsibility of reciting some of his lyrics and she wanted to go all out with the n-word <laughs> all right so so on social media um folks were going crazy man they're like 
you know, and a lot of black people were talking about the fact that, talk, you know, speaking with the notion that black people, if we don't want white folks to say the N word, then we shouldn't say the N word in our lyrics. Uh, so I suppose this is where I weigh in. I don't give a damn, man. I don't, I don't, I don't care about this Kendrick Lamar situation. <laughs> I don't care about the Kendrick Lamar situation. It's a no brainer. It's like, um, you know, any black person can tell a white person to not say that fucking word. That is my stand. That's where I stand. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, crap, the burden is on the black person in regards to oppression. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's if you're black, you can still even a black rapper can say, no, bitch, you ain't saying my goddamn. You're not you're not. That word's not for you. A lot of people will argue, which is a fact, by the way, that white folks are the majority um, majority folks who buy rap music that may also be by way of population I mean America is, an, is a majority white nation rap is, spoke, is usually spoken in the English language rap is spoken in Americanese so of course white folks would be the majority buyers of, of rap music white folks are probably I'm just shooting here speculating but you know, um, hypothesis, hypothesizing, but, um, white folks are probably the, the, the primary buyers of Jordans and basket and black folks, basketball shoes. So that is not an excuse. I mean, they're a majority. Of course, they're going to be the ones that buy into something the most. So I'm not really buying that as an excuse. Now, um, do I say the word? Well, I suppose sometimes, but I, I typically refrain from using the N-word myself, but that's a personal choice. That's not saying that every black person should be like me and when it comes to parlance. That's stupid, okay? There is definitely space for diverse um, linguistics in regards to black people in America and abroad. You know, so, yeah, Kendrick Lamar, he could have just said, you know, he, he has the total right to say, nope. No, you can't say that word. What are you doing? Nah. Okay. And we can't be too upset about, we can't be too upset with that crap, man. So some folks are like, well, why did he let this white chick on stage? Well, when it comes to a concert, things typically go like this. The really expensive seats are really close. The cheaper seats are in the back. So if someone buys a seat that's really close to the um, concert, to the artist, then they're more likely to be on stage, similar to Usher with the fat chicks that he smashed or some shit, like gave herpes or something, gave an STD to. So, um, you know, like, wow, back ago, that's, it was, that was pretty disgusting. I should not have brought that up. Anyway, um, so that's it with the Kendrick Lamar thing, man. You know, black folks can totally tell a, a white person, anybody, to not say that word, man. So whatever um, if I was a black person would I use the word a lot no I probably wouldn't if I was a black per if I was a rapper I would probably um, I probably experiment with lyricism far more you know uh, in regards to the n-word or use it in storytelling I don't know it's, it's not it's not how I speak so it wouldn't be how I rap um, next up Spree Killer. Okay, so I didn't even really dive too far into this Spree Killer thing because, 
you know, I'm not going to give this give folks the guy's name. I'm not even going to use the guy's picture and the uh, graphic when I create the uh, podcast for this. Okay, but anyway, there's a spree killer that killed a uh, you know active shooter who shot and murdered a a girl in cold blood in front of a classroom, and the story goes that the guy was bullied and the girl that he shot in front of a classroom. Which is which constitutes a lynching, shooting someone in public to terrorize others. That's a lynching. Um, the girl let him down. A girl rejected him. For those who have not noticed a pattern in regards to American society with the spree killings, active shooters, and all these folks with guns mowing folks down off of butthurt feelings, it's a white guy. It's a white guy, y'all. So. This is the part I talk about um, spree killers or active shooters and white male entitlement. A lot of folks like to pretend that there's not an element of white privilege involved when it comes to these spree shooters. There is. Because as soon as the spree killer or active shooter or wherever these guys are, as soon as they shoot, uh, shoot up a school, the mass media will broadcast it and um, they will actually angelicize the target, like the person at hand, the actual perpetrator of the crime against humanity. And typically the cops will catch them and they will not like go buck wild like they do on unarmed black people. So you have a guy who murdered murders a bunch of people or one person in lynching in a open lynching and then the cops show up and they capture the, this guy alive make sure that he don't bump his head on the way into the um the police cruiser and sometimes feed them burger king and shit like that because you know you don't want to bring it you know because cops don't want to bring a white person into a jail cell on a hungry stomach it don't matter how many folks they slay how many folks they murder you know, they just do not want to send a um, a white killer who just got finished a killing spree, a murderous killing spree, hungry. So, yeah, um, there is an element of white privilege involved with these shootings. As a matter of fact, I goes to far I goes far as saying that the real problem in America in regards to these spree killings and these these shootings, school shootings, and all this other good stuff. Is not the gun. It's the white privilege. It is the racism. It is the white privilege. And I tell you this, if you, you know, there is a huge problem with attempting to eradicate guns away from American society. Seems like that's the go-to that everybody goes for. You know, white people love to do this. They're like white liberals. They're like, you know, uh, oh man, it's a, it was a spree killing. Let's let's go for the gun. Let's uh, let's make guns illegal. No, I, well, why don't you make white privilege illegal, dude? If you make white privilege illegal, you will single-handedly eradicate all these spree killings, all these sh- school shootings, all these mass murders, all these. You 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 end it all. I guarantee it, man. You know, there's no way in the world. And then you have like Fox News and conservative media and all these other bum fucks. There's no way in the world that you can convince me that bullying, bullying leads to a kid murdering everybody in a school. Because guess what? You have black folks in America and black folks on a macro level are the most bullied people on this planet. 
And we're not murdering folks left and right in these schools. We're not engaging in killing sprees because we're butthurt. That's not happening. How come, you remember that old, that old civil rights photograph of that little black girl being integrated into a Southern school? You had the National Guard there and everybody else and, and everybody's like yelling, all these white folks yelling, nigger go home and all this other crazy ass shit. How come that little girl didn't mow everybody down in that goddamn school? How come, how come Martin Luther King didn't mow down folks in his school back in his day? Or Malcolm X or, or, you know, all these people, Booker T. Washington. How come these folks have not, how come we, in, in history, black folks have not mowed down people in a goddamn school? We're the most bully people on this planet. It's not the bullying, y'all. It's not the bullying. You know what? <laughs> I thought white folks were better than this, man. I early, I, I thought white people were better than this, man. I thought y'all was better than this shit, man. But wow. Anyway, when it comes to the gun, what I've noticed in regards to white folks in America, when it comes to the gun versus white privilege, if you gave white people a choice between giving up white Americans, the choice between giving up their guns or giving up their white privilege, they will they will throw the guns at you, man. They will throw the guns at you. There's a choice between you have a force, an ultimatum between guns or white privilege. White folks will take they'll give you the gun. They'll they'll eradicate all the guns and keep the white privilege because that's pretty much where these liberals are, these white liberals. And white feminists and liberals and all these cats. They're 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 all about that gun, but they're not about taking that white privilege out. What's up with that shit? Alright. Um also in the media, Donald Trump calls immigrants animals, and there's like no ambiguity, no nothing. He just like up, blah, 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 they're animals and all that good stuff. So, um, one of the things with, uh, with Donald Trump, what I observe, what I, what I observe when you have a lot of government officials, the power of the executive office, the executive federal office, which, which trickles down to state and local law enforcement and things like that. Law, law creation and enforcement and whatnot. There's this grand scale demonization of of Latin folks going on. Now, when it comes to the black community, there's a lot of black folks who are like, ha ha, now's their turn or ha ha. You know, well, these Latin folks been like shitting on us anyway, just like white people. So now, now they got it. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, I'm not exactly celebrating. I'm not exactly, you know, feeling you know, celebratory in regards to Latin folks being discriminated against. Discrimination is discrimination, period. Racism is racism, period. So I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly happy or content with, with ICE, okay, with ICE murdering a 16-year-old, you know, um, you know, ICE is practically for those who have not been tracking, they're probably like these Gestapo cop types. They're like a hybridization of law enforcer and federal agent that only go for, um, only go after Latin folks, man. Like uh, anybody who's ambiguously brown, you know, like when I see ICE folks, border patrol types and stuff like that, they see me and they're like, he's black. He's a, they don't bother with black folks, but that's because they're not ordered to. That's because they're not ordered to. 
These guys are fucking Gestapo cats, man. This is modern day Gestapo, like in plain sight, breaking up families, and then it's fucking wrong. It's racist as fuck. For the black folks who celebrate Latin folks being yanked up and being shitted on and demonized and anathematized, marginalized in America right now, I feel sorry for y'all, man. Y'all, y'all stupid because the only reason President Trump and, you know, Republicans and Democrats who just allow it to happen and all these other, these passive Democratic fucks and all these, all this other white power motherfuckers, the only reason why they attack Latin, Mexican, Puerto Rican, anyone who's ambiguously brown, openly, and and in speech, and function and law, is because it's 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 legally feasible. It's it's politically feasible. It's politically acceptable to demonize Mexicans and stuff like that. He's like, if you, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. You give a rat a cookie, he'll go for a glass of milk. So when, when Donald Trump was playing around with, with calling like Mexicans rapists and thieves and criminals and stuff like that, um, he was playing, he was, he was dipping his toe in the waters. He was dipping his toe in the waters and everybody made excuse. All these white people made excuses and they allowed them, allowed them to continue. So, because a Republican can't be wrong. A Republican is never wrong in the eyes of another Republican. So, Donald Trump knew, who really has no political party, he knew political affiliation. He knew the Republican route was the route to go because Republicans don't back, they, they, they listen to everything a Republican say. If I was a Republican and I stood up and started saying some crap, they'll all follow me. If I became in power, they'll all follow me. You know, it, it is totally possible for a Republican to the Republican Party to become liberal if a liberal if a Republican showed up and got elected and start saying some liberal ass shit because they're like robots. I will follow no matter what. You know they they're they're like robots, right? They're like fucking worker ants or some shit. They're like a, like a colony of ants. You know when when you look at how the white American conservative or the, the conservative in America. They just follow blindingly. They don't question anything that their leaders say. And they make excuses for their leaders that their leaders have not even made for themselves. Defending, you know, defending with defense that the leaders themselves have never even placed. It lets you know that they function like a colony. You have the queen bee, then you have the drones, then you have the workers, the worker bees, right? Or the ants. And, and when you look at this like it's a colony of insects or a colony of bugs, it kind of give colonizer a whole different meaning. Like to call these folks colonizers, it kind of gives them another atmosphere, a, a, a double mean, a double definition, a second, you know, a tangent definition in regards to um, ant colonies be kind of like colonized um, bugs and colonized societies. They just follow the queen, you know follow the queen bee or the queen ant with, without question. I guarantee you if, if, um, if Donald Trump start arguing for reparations for black people, all these conservatives will just flip the script and start arguing. I bet you, I bet, I'll bet bottom dollar they'll start arguing for reparations if uh, Donald Trump did it. Cause these guys, it's almost like Kim Jong-un. It's like, it's like he's a deity or some shit. Anyway, um, well, saying, if I was saying anything at all, is that 
these Republicans, these Republicans, these white conservatives, these whiteness rangers, they attack Latin folks because it's politically viable. It's politically, there's political currency in it. So as soon as it's politically viable, politically feasible, politically acceptable to attack black people in the open, they're going to do it. Okay. They're going to do it. As soon as it's politically feasible to attack black people in the open, to verbalize, no dog whistle, none of that sideways racism shit. So they start calling like calling black people like which they kind of already have. The only they're practicing on Latin folks to go for black people next. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. This is why you see this is why you see the fall of a lot of these. Tanuki suited, Davy Crockett hat, you know, um, rabbit foot black folks, okay? Like Tony, uh, like, like Thomas, Tony, Tommy, Soto, Sotomayor, his, his crap went crashing. Um, they threw away um, Stacey Dash off of Fox News. It's because it's like, look, black, black guy, I don't need you anymore. I'm white, oh, we're white, we don't need you anymore, Obama's gone. They're practicing. They don't. <laughs> I swear, man. Like you know, a lot of these black, like these black conservatives out here, man, they're really something else, man. You rather be a pet than be cattle? Well, guess what? <laughs> when they don't need the pet, your food. All right. When they don't need fat, they don't need. If they don't need, if you like, if you rather be a pet than be cattle. So that's why you're conservative and all this other good stuff and you're super vocal because you know, they'll give you money, they'll, you'll show up on TV shows, you'll become famous, you're so rewarded for being an, an agent of racism against black people to stir confusion within the black community. It's only a means to end, man. You know, once it becomes politically feasible, politically, like, once there's political currency for white folks to do that crap on their own and be far more vocal, far more blatant in their racism, they're going to engage in it. I guarantee it. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I'm just smart. Um, so you have the royal wedding. Like um, the royal wedding took place, and uh, I want to talk about this royal wedding. And um, well, on on the same note, talk about Donald Glover's video that took place. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, when I was just lollygagging and beating off and acting a fool, not making podcasts and stuff, <laughs> so hard on myself. Damn. Anyway, um, I was just doing nothing and stuff, just chilling, taking a bit of a break, mini hiatus. Donald Glover, who I just realized he is an artist. He's a um, he um, he's a rapper and singer type guy or something like that. I'm like pretty excited. I'm like, holy crap, man! Like, oh, no, I mean, because I only know Donald Glover as an actor. I didn't know that he was a a rapper and stuff like that. His name is a uh, childish Gambino. I don't know how he came across that that name. I mean, he's kind of like a grown ass man, kind of skinny young looking but we all are you know black folks be looking young anyway childish gambino that's his uh rap music artist name and he's actually really good um 
you know, you look, listen to his stuff. Like it was this one, one video I saw on YouTube and it was like, he's at a diner with a woman, a black woman and stuff like that. And that song sounded like something I would, I would buy on iTunes. As a matter of fact, after this podcast, I'm going to uh, track that track down and download it on iTunes. Not an endorsement, not a paid endorsement. Anyway, he's good. He, you know, with him being gr- really good at acting and producing and music that kind of makes him like a triple threat in some way this is you know donald glover kind of reminds me of jamie fox because he has a huge wide range of of acting and he does music and he also produces and writes you know he writes you know you know he has this show called atlanta that i have not really been diving into because it looked boring but i heard it's a shit now (laughs) So Donald Glover made this uh, this video called This is America. It starts off with him just he he he's looking a bit disheveled. He has like he looks like a runaway slave. He has like a, I guess I'm going to dive into a bit of the imagery of the of the video because I have not talked about the video. And since I'm a cinema, since I'm a cinephile, I'm a movie lover um, and and an abolitionist. I'll talk about a bit of it. OK, so. Donald Glover has, um, yeah, he looked like a, like a, he had his runaway slave look to him. His, his hair was just wild and all out, all black. Just, ah, right. And he had a, uh, he had a little beard, all black, rah, you know, his bare chested and he's just sitting there just chilling, you know, then he's like dancing, like really weird, making really crazy faces like this he did which really cracked me up because i kind of got that face too so i kind of you know (laughs) i kind of try not to make that face but he made that face in a video and it was like really funny because it's 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 (laughs) because it's a mainstream (laughs) he's all dancing like that he did this one joint when he like squints one side of his face down like that and his other side his other side of his face was like his eye was really wide and go Ugh, like that when he was dancing <laughs> it was so funny man i'm such a fucking nerd anyway um it was it was something else man um so the video relied on a whole lot of imagery um he um it starts off with him showing up and shooting someone in the back of the head you know who was in a um who had a bag over their face um and stuff like they were a hostage, like they were kidnapped and placed in a room. You know, um, last time I seen something like that was uh, one of the Jason Bourne movies where Jason Bourne had to shoot someone with a bag over their face. And it's like, hey, you have to be able to kill this person over here before you graduate as a as a um, black ops agent. You know, that type of thing. So the funny thing, the interesting thing about like his uh, use of uh, violence in that in that video is that it's kind of like a like he, he used violence as a metaphor of how we function in America in regards to violence as a whole. So so the moment that Donald Glover's character in the, in the video you know shoots someone the gun is passed off in great care. Like I think, uh, you know, like someone takes the gun in great care and, and dips off the, off the screen. And he's like, he keeps on dancing and keeps on with the music. And it's like, you're distracted from the violence that just occurred because I'm a black guy dancing, you know? And it's like, 
that's some true ass shit, man. You know, if a black person's dancing and smiling, that's the only thing people care about. Not only that, but the gun was taken in. Well, there was more care taken for the gun than the black bodies that just got killed. That was another thing that I noticed. Like there was more care um, given to the gun that he just used to murder than the black body that just got killed. You know, um, then it was another scene where he um, there's a bunch of church folks singing in a choir and he just shows up, knocks on it. He opens the door and takes an AK or probably a China type 56. But anyway, a, and he took an AK frame weapon and mowed these folks down and kept on rapping and singing and stuff and dancing. Once again, the gun was was given to someone who who just in great care and concern and they just dashed off screen. He's still dancing and smiling and singing. And it's a distraction to the murder that just took place. You had a bunch of folks who were in faith, you know, in in some sort of faith and they, they just got murdered, you know, minding their own business and. Everybody's okay with that because the black guy is dancing in front of you. So that's you. That's def a lot of people see it like this is wrong because he did this and did that. He's he's still dancing after killing those people. Like, well, first of all, he didn't really kill them. At least I hope not. Um, second of all, it's one of those meta things like the toast the called This is America. It's a meta. It's a form of meta art, meaning that there's like. There's layers to it. It's supposed to represent something. So um, I found that really intriguing, though, man. He uh, he uh, mowed down a bunch of folks, like praying and rejoicing. And there's more care given to the gun than those dead black bodies that just got killed. That's how America is. You know, it's it's definitely. I saw that video. There's definitely a. Um, a, uh, a battle between the gun and being black. You know, I, I remember um, I wrote, a, I, was, I wanted to write a song or a poem of, a, I know, I wanted to write an article where I, it's kind of like a story where I talk about being a gun owner and then I, um, I speak to the gun like it's a person and then I become jealous of it. And it's, and that's real, man. I'm actually, as a black man in America, I'm jealous, I'm jealous of the gun. I'm jealous of the gun in America. It seems like the gun in America is a protected race in regards to how we function. You know, it seems like the gun is the perfect victim of racism and is like a protected race. If America protected guns, let me rephrase. If America protected white, I mean, let me rephrase. America does protect white people. If America protected black people the way they protected guns, this world would be a better place. It's amazing. You have the Second Amendment, and it's like, you know, um, says something about um, the freedom, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed, you know, blah, blah, militia and stuff like that. How about the right to be black should not be infringed? You know what I mean? I love to have the right to, I love to see that amendment, the right to be black shall not be infringed. I think that needs to be an amendment because I am really jealous of how guns are. Where you at? Where you at, bitch? Where you at? 
I love you, Gun. I love you, 1911. But I'm jealous of you. I am jealous of you. I am, I am jealous of this piece of hardware, man. This thing is more protected. This thing is more protected than, than people in these United States. This thing is more protected than the people in the United States, man. The gun is like a whole different race. You know, I wish we were protected like we were, like we're, like guns were. That would be amazing. But yeah, let me put that thing on safe. Cause I do keep it loaded. But I guess one can wish, man. One can wish. So that's what I got out of that video. A lot of folks, a lot of my black friends are like, there's nothing deep in that video. I'm like, actually there was. They're like, well, why don't you tell me? Like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a content creator. I'll just actually write an article or a podcast. I'm not gonna just argue with you on a Facebook message forum group status and waste my um, intellect. You know, I'm not gonna do that. But yeah, though, man, it's like I saw guns being taken. Uh, there's greater care taken with guns than black folks to include the black guy who's doing it. Um, there was crazy stuff going on in that video. There was death in that video. Death. He had he had death riding on a white horse in that video, man. That mess crazy, man. That mess is He did it uh, uh, to me in regards to um, visualizations. He did a great job. Donald Glover did a really great job on that video. When it comes to lyrics, I have no idea what the fuck he's saying. Like, like lyrically, that, that song was not deep. But I think there's definitely more in the video than the song, right? Here's another thing I, I liked about Donald Glover in that moment. You have Kanye West, who has an album coming out or something like that, and he goes on a full-scale Tanuki suit, um, you know, a, a full-scale Tanuki suit campaign with Donald Trump and co-signing other Tanuki-suited black folks and all this other good stuff, and is to promote his sales, right? Make excuse for slavery, make excuse for racism, all, all this other crap. He's embraced by um, white conservatives, which means white racist. Um, not a good look for Kanye. And I had this. I had the question: How come? You know, my last podcast. How come? Art like like you look at the Black Panther movie um, that's that came out. These guys, like all these all these actors. They, they, they campaigned on that movie. They promoted that movie. They promote the movie to promote the movie. But a rap artist, it seems like a hip-hop recording artist has to promote something else that's crazy and stupid in order to promote their fucking album. Why? How come rappers don't promote their music by with music or, or some form of art that corresponds with the music? This guy went full, full-blooded Tanuki, Tanuki suit to campaign on his album. So here you have Donald Glover. He makes a song and a music video. And folks are talking about his music because he made music. I swear to God, that, that, like the fact that you have that contrast, 
that that uh, it was a, it was a breath of fresh air, an actual hip hop recording artist who made music, and folks are talking about the music he made, not the not some other crap, but the music he made. Okay, so yeah, uh, and not only that, but Donald Glover's a fucking actor, and he's a producer writer, you know, in in, in Hollywood, so. He shouldn't even have time to make the do the music thing better than Kanye, but he did. Um, so with Donald Glover, um, it came out the fact that he has a non-black wife and folks were wondering, like, or were pretty much saying that you can't be pro-black if you're an IR dating, you're dating interracially or you're married interracially. Um... Hold up, we got some folks writing here. Not enough people criticized Kanye for his colorism years ago. Now are surprised he's being racist. Colorism and racism go hand in hand. That is correct, Arita. That, that is very much correct. Carla Bell, another writer that um, folks should follow on um, Medium. Same reason why black writers aren't able to get stuff published in their own voice. It's not what the mainstream want. Yeah, it's not what white mainstream want. Yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, Donald Glover dating interracially, it brought up the 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 notion, like the the the, the age old debate: Can you be pro black and in an interracial relationship? When you when you're like on a struggle, you just buy a hundred proof and just mix it, man. Yeah, I call this a short island iced tea. It's like hundred proof. Uh, Captain Morgan's rum and tea. <laughs> um. Anyway, you have Captain Morgan's rum. This is not an endorsement. They have not paid. Anyway, um. So, can you be pro-black and in an interracial relationship? Yes, you can be pro-black and be in an interracial relationship. Are you fucking stupid? Are you an idiot? What kind of crap is this? Well, yes. All right, so there's a lot of people. Let me explain. There's a, let me add context. There's a lot of folks out there in the social media world, a lot of my peers even, I have great respect for, and I love, you know, kind of like, you know, like a Black Avengers or something like that, man. We have different weapons and standpoints, and yeah, I love teaming up with these cats, collaborating stuff. A lot of these guys are like, nah, you can't be pro-black and be in an interracial relationship. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you could. You're just not as pro-black as the person who is not in an interracial relationship. You're not, that person is just not as pro-black than someone who is all black down the line of their household. That's the difference, you know, so the difference between me and a lot of these other folks out here is that I see things in, in a gradual, like, you know, I see things as accumulative, like numbers, okay? I don't see things, it's not like an on and off switch or, you know, this or that. It's not a dichotomy. It's a, uh, it's a value scale, okay? So, like, say, for example, folks who play... Madden or um, basketball games on video games and stuff you look at the stats of the players like say throwing accuracy or throwing power of a quarterback or hitting power of a or tackling of a, of a of a defensive player you know you see numbers you know you see zero they suck if you see 100 or 99 they're super good at it I see things like that 
okay? Um, kind of like me being five foot eleven. Some folks call me tall, you know, but I'm I've never been called short. It's kind of like it's a cumulative, right? There's definitely a scale of measure, if you will. So I believe that the concept of being pro-black is something that that functions on a measure of a scale versus this or that or on or off. I think it's really stupid and asinine to disinclude black folks who are in an interracial relationship or marriage because they're just in a relationship or marriage. Some people will say stuff like, well, if that person is in a IR, if they IR dating or IR married, I ain't listening to them. They ain't for me. Well, that's correct. They're not for you. I, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's correct. They're not, they're not for you, but they're for somebody. Um, Shannon Sharp, if I'm correct, he, um, he's a, a pretty big defender of uh, Colin Kaepernick. He is in an interracial relationship, okay? Um, does that subtract from everything he does defending uh, a black a black NFL player's right to protest? Of course not. Frederick Douglass, who's one of my favorite folks in civil rights history, hence the name Frederick Douglass, one of my aliases, he was in an interracial marriage. Yeah. So was Frederick Douglass not pro-black? Let me hear you say it. <laughs> let me hear you. Let me hear you say it. So there's definitely a scale that needs to be respected. Okay. And I think that when it comes to being pro-black, people should meet folks as they are, where they are, as they are. Not, not just cut folks off, you know, not speak for everybody to say this person's not pro-black. So can Donald Glover be pro-black and be in an interracial relationship? Yes. Can you be pro-black in an interracial relationship? Yes. But you're just not as pro-black as someone who is with a black husband, black wife, black girlfriend, black boyfriend, black children, a black household. All right. It's kind of like, can you be pro-black in a gentrified space? Yes, you can be pro-black in a gentrified space. If you are in an interracial relationship, your house is gentrified. So your house is less pro-black than the house that is all black. That's it. And I think that that covers all bases. I think that should be easily is easy, easy to understand. I don't see how there's any other way to I don't see I don't, I don't see the space where I have to elaborate further. So when it comes to being pro-black and like say, for example, right, currently I ain't got no damn girlfriend. Now, a couple of episodes ago, I was like, you know, I was talking back to things fell apart. So anyway, you know, it shows how not pro-black some black folks can be. Anyway, um, I've served in the military for like for 20 years or so. Right. And. I'm a military vet, and when I was young in the army, I was around the world. I was in Germany, and I was slamming German chicks left and right. I was slamming, you know, East European chicks. Slam. Well, actually, the French chick I had was black. Anyway, I'm not going down that road, but but um, the point I'm getting to is that I mess with a lot of white chicks in my time. Now, with that being said, what if I were to marry? 
one of those German girls that I've uh, was messing with because a, a lot of folks do that in the military. A lot of folks they'll uh, marry someone who's in, in the foreign country of where wherever they're stationed. There's a lot of folks that marry Korean folks or Filipino folks from after being in Korea. So, what if that were to occur? I had a bunch of mixed kids and stuff like that. What if I got married when I was like 23 years old? So, fast forward to modern day, 2018. No, fast forward to 2014, 15, 16, where I had my wake up moment. No, 2012, where a cop shoved a gun in my face and may enforce me. You know, I'm pretty much a cop gun in face survivor and I um, began like observing stuff and then Baltimore happened and then from there um, in this in this alternate timeline where I got married to some German chick um, <laughs> Melanie all, all these German chicks named Melanie I, I married a, a Melanie and um, what happens I create Afro sapio file. I work. I write. Yeah, create Afro sapio file. I begin writing and reciting, speaking, and all this other good stuff. Right? I'm the same guy. My fears and concerns are the same. Am I less pro-black in this alternate timeline? If I would have married a um, a white chick, a euro, a euro chick, or Asian chick, Korea? Nah. Here's the thing that a lot of these these black folks don't um, grasp. They don't. There's, there's a lot of critical thinking involved that a lot of like my, like a lot of my black peers who are also content creators don't do not grasp. There is a concept of of relationships, sexual intimate relationships, right? And then there's also a concept of you finding yourself, right? And when you find yourself. It, you might not find yourself when you're 23 years old. You might find yourself when you're like in your 30s, like how I did. I found my calling of abolitionist work in my 30s. I was past 32 years old when I like, like in my 30s. So if I, if I would have gotten married like 18, 19, 20 years old, then I found my calling and I found my identity. I found myself. I'm still married to the white chick in this alternate timeline. Does that make me less pro-black? No, it does not. I found myself later. I mean, they'll be great. I mean, sometimes I, I mean, sometimes I think about it. I'm 37 years old. Like, man, I wish I was so good at this when I was like 22, 23. You know, I wish, wish I was like a young revolutionary, just really good and I was really smart and well researched as I am now. But it took life to occur. You feel me? And I was watching this oh this long YouTube right. I hate I hate, I hate starting to play. I'm watching this game. Anyway, it was a relationship uh, sermon right. And the guy was talking about the fact that if you find yourself after you got married, there's two things that need to happen. Either the your spouse needs to understand your life, you know, how you finding yourself, or you get divorced. So even like devoid of the, the, the concept of race, like devoid of the conversation of race relations, there are people who are marrying folks and then they find themselves later. And then from there, there's like, there's this conflict like, okay, uh, do I leave this marriage? 
you know, is she up for it? Does she, does the spouse understand what I'm, you know, what I have to do here? This is me. This is, this is it. This is, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I want the old Johnny back. There is no old Johnny back. This is me. I had, I, I had women actually say that. Black women. They, they said that. More than one. They said that. I want the old Johnny back. I'm like, There is no old Johnny. I am is is like I am Iron Man. You know, Tony Stark, Iron Man are are one. Johnny, Johnny, and Johnny is one. So yeah, total package. This fight is this this fight that I've taken up is me till death, until I die, until I die, guaranteed. Some white folks, somebody's gonna probably fucking shoot me anyway. Anyway, until I die. Guaranteed. So, yeah. It is possible for someone to be in an immigrant relationship and be pro-black. Because they may find that, they may find themselves, they may find their fight later in their life. As I found my fight later in my life. The only difference between the like the real life, present time Johnny, and his alternate timeline Johnny, the alternate universe Johnny, who got married in his youth... Is the fact that I didn't get married. I never been married. I never found a chick that can that that has staying power, and that's mostly based on fighting wars, you know, being deployed and stuff like that. C and Bam was cheating on each other left and right, and I ain't want to deal with that crap. So, uh, <laughs> fact, girlfriends are cheating on me when I'm deployed. I'm glad I ain't married that chick. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, so, so like, so let's take let's look back at Donald Glover, right? So he has a child. He has a child with a non-black woman. He's married to a non-black woman. He makes a relatively pro-black um, video, music video. So, I mean, what he has to do to be pro-black? He has to like some like do a summary execution of his wife. He needs to like shoot his wife in the back of the head and be like, everyone, my wife is my white wife is now dead. I am now pro-black. No, I mean, that makes no sense. Like, you can't just get rid of this, this, this element of life. You know, this huge decision of being married. You just get rid of it. And because you found yourself, I mean, some folks can, some folks cannot. It, uh, it depends. I suppose if I was married to a non-black person, they need to be out of my motherfucking way in regards to all the work that I do in regards to the pro-black movement. So I imagine for Donald Glover, man, that bitch need to stay out of his motherfucking way. <laughs> but he had to, you know, stay out of his way, I suppose, you know. But I do get the pain and frustration of seeing interracial relationships in regards to famous people. You know, I will say that the interracial relationship uh, mumbo jumbo angst and frustration is usually one-sided the folks who, who are butthurt over donald glover are the folks who celebrate serena williams in a royal wedding and vice versa for men and stuff like that it seems like i'm the only guy that has a very uniform um mental emotional relationship with it uh, a uniform opinion of it all you know i accept interracial relationship amongst my peers i have friends black folks who i care for and they're, they have children with Asian folks and white folks and everything else. And honestly, this is what I tell them because because they're so used of hearing of hearing that they're not black enough. 
that they expected from me. This is this is what I tell them. You don't have to be me, man. You don't have to be me. I choose black all the way across. It's really difficult for me to have a white chick, you know. Um, like the Latins and the Chinese, like Asians, um, difficult too. And I'm not seeing it happening because it's like a political choice. But somebody do it for me, uh, they do. But um, I, I choose, without question, black black women. And you, all you other black folks out here, don't have to be me. What you do have to do, though is subscribe to Afro Sapiel Fowl and read these articles I got going on and for other folks who'll be writing on Afro Sapiel Fowl and throw some money and chips in that Patreon and that PayPal. <laughs> oh man, volunteer some of that money, man. Make some donations. That's what you need to do. You don't gotta be me, but you sure enough can donate. So, well, I'm coming across around 50 some minutes. So this 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 Facebook thing might die out some point in time. I will say that um, NFL man, I'll, I'll talk about NFL another time. But there you have it, man. You got Spree Killers White Male Entitlement. You know, White Male Entitlement is is far, which is an element of white privilege, which is. A, an element of white supremacy is far more dangerous than the gun. I do need I do need folks to understand that. Um, you can be pro-black and IR dating. You're just not more pro-black than someone who's dating black and married black with black children and total blackness. And Kendrick Lamar, any black person can tell any white person you can't say the N-word. It don't matter what song it is in. And a lot of times these white folks, be they be saying stuff like, but it's in the songs though. But it's in the songs though. But it's in the songs though. But I'm listening to the black people say it, so I, I get. To, it's like no, no, you're you're not listening to black people. If you're listening to black people, then you wouldn't have made that. You wouldn't have invented this all lives matter bullshit. So don't give me this bullshit that you're listening to black folks, cause you ain't. That is some selective listening going on. Yeah. All right. So um, with that being said, I'll say that uh, it's about that time. Thanks for joining us. Before you leave, if you like what you heard, click like and subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you go for your podcast. Do not let this be the last time we hear from you or you hear from us. If you want to be heard, you can always leave a voice message at 202-854-1996. Last but not least, be sure to check us out on AfroSaviorFowl.com for everything pertaining to intelligent black thought. This is Johnny Silvercloud, the soul brother number one of a kind, signing out. Peace.